How do you take it all when so many things come at you? How do you deal with the problems that we are facing today? How not to panic during a pandemic? How to just let it all come out? Everything come at you, come out for you. And God just kept wrestling with me, and I was playing with my little grandbaby, and he wouldn't go to sleep. And I went down, got mad Miss Fleming about, don't force him. She tried to make him go to sleep, and he just wouldn't sleep. And when you see Grandpa, he jumps up and go to Harlem in the baby bed. And she said, nah, you came in here. He said, you not tell me. Nah, he's not going to sleep. <laughs> you can imagine how we two old folk now feel like we something because we got a little baby in the house. I'm trying to tell her how to treat him, and she tried. I said, both of them got too old how to raise him, and I forgot. <laughs> I'm saying, leave him there. Don't let him die. No, leave him there. He I said, but he don't want to go to sleep. He's just playing. And then I grabbed the baby out the baby bed and taking my study and put him in the bed and start playing with him. And he played another house. Oh, God, I should have left him down there. And all of a sudden, I put him on a cartoon, and now here I am trying to get this sermon together. And I, I looked at him and laid my hand on him and said, Lord, let him go to sleep so I can go study to preach. And he played a little more. He didn't want to go to sleep. But finally, in my study, I got a little bed I get in when I want to meditate and want to be alone. He finally, I rolled him in and said, come on now, just go to sleep with Papa. He laid there and looked at me, and I just looked at him. And all of a sudden, that eye went to winking. And all of a sudden, I said, I said, you're almost there. And before you knew it, I still pray, Lord, I got to get my mind on this message. And I looked at him, and I just looked. This little thing, going to sleep, took him down, put him in the baby bed. And I was telling Deacon Moore about why he was up when he said, Pastor, he's probably teething. I said, oh, that's why he's so up. He's teething. Two little pins coming out now. And that's why he's getting like that. And then while I was thinking about that, I started back. I'm just telling you how I was wrestling last night. And I said, the enemy, you're trying to keep me from studying. But my little grandbaby going to sleep. So pastor going to get in at word. And all of a sudden, while I was trying to go to Corinthians and studying about that, Corinthians 4, it came back to Job again. Just, just hear me. I'm going somewhere. This Mr. Going Somewhere got a job. Now he can't come every Sunday. <laughs> so I got to get some going somewhere from somewhere else. <laughs> Amen. And God just kept talking to me about Job. How to take it all. And don't give in. How to take it all. And just don't give in. 
Let me draw out a couple of things from Job. Here's a man who took it all and just didn't give in. And you can, of course, I, I, I really, like I say, I've been wrestling not to preach it, but first Job chapter one, and, and of course my old favorite one is always the latter part when Job began to complain, but he said, then Job, first one chapter, Verse 20, then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and said, worship, and he worshiped, and said, naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of our Lord. I want this message to be a thought-provoking message. I want this to sink deep down in your soul today. As I look back at Job, and many times I have preached him, and the many times I have studied him, he's been my favorite Bible character. I've looked at this man, and I wonder so many times, how did he take it? How could somebody who loved God with all his heart, soul, and mind, and sacrificed and prayed God and even sacrificed for his children. Yes, Job not only prayed, but he prayed in case his children had sinned, right. that right. God would forgive them of their sin. He would burn an offering for his children, not just for himself, right. but how to take it all and don't give in. It's something why I want to say a word to you all today why you need to take it and don't give in. These are unparalleled times, and these are some times that we have not seen before. This is time when we are on the verge of collapse, and many people are saying, this is the end of America, this is the end of the church, and people are confirmed. I have people asking me all the time, will church pastor be like it used to be when this pandemic is over? Will people be coming back to church anymore? Or will they be staying at home and watching online social distance and streaming and all of that? How would church be? Will it be churches not looking now like they used to? They're taking more of the old traditional furniture of way from most pulpits. You're seeing Poland like this and even senior pastors dressing down now, walking out with, you know, casually dressed, and you see all of the lights different in all the churches, looking at them on TV, all of them. And uh, even Jake's now and other preachers are, you don't see choirs behind them anymore. They're way above, they're making the background different colors, and the building, and the audience getting real dark. And I was used to be against that, but now I'm not. Because it's not about. Stop, sitting, stop the choir from sitting in the choir stand when I was preaching. Because we were on national TV, on BB&T, and so I'm up there picking at the nose, picking at the eyes, and picking at the eyebrows. And after church, I had to call some of them in the back and say, look, you're right behind me, and you're picking in your eye. I'm good, picking at your eyelashes. <laughs> and I would get on the camera crew. I said, take it up. I said, we can't. They're right behind you. You got to see every move to make. And if the pastor says something they don't like, you can see those looks. <laughs> All that 
people will just sit and watch to see how the people behind you, how they're looking in the audience about what you say. And that's not what we're here about. So a lot of, I was one of the first to stop them from coming up here saying, go sit down. So there'd be nothing up here seen but the man of God preaching the word of God. And you can't knock it because that's what we're here to focus on, the word. Not the choir members, not the ushers, the word. Because that's what Jesus told us to preach. And now you can't see audience now. The dog when the camera's paying. Because they got to have those lights and camels back there focusing on. And, and, and in a lot of ways, some people say, oh, look like nightclub. I don't consider that no more. It's just the style, the way churches change. People dress down. They just don't wear suits anymore. You go to some of these clothing stores and Brooks Brothers and all the places, Nemo, they don't have no suits now. People wearing tennis shoes and jeans or selling hot. Greenbrier, believe it or not, was number one at one time. Of all the famous malls in Atlanta, Greenbrier was making more money than even Macy's. Because of selling casual shoes, casual tennis and things. You wouldn't have believed it. Right up the street was number one of all the malls. And I was saying that, How? People just now wearing a lot of fancy clothes, expensive suits. They dressing down. Well, the Bible said, "Who's never will let him come." It didn't say whosoever dressed up, whosoever wearing the finest wig, <laughs> whosoever wearing the most expensive fur coat. Church shouldn't be a fashion show. Now, I'm not saying you're not supposed to wear a nice thing, but you're supposed to come here ready for the word. And perhaps this is going to upset a lot of folks. You can't see your buddies no more. Too dark. Maybe you need to focus on the word of God and the man preaching the word of God. Now, I don't say go too far. You can go too far in anything. But we're going to have to learn to adjust to a new day. You know why? Our forefathers did it. We did it when we were young. I remember the hippie days. We were protesting. I had a big old bush hair. You know, we were plaited and picking out. I had an afro. <laughs> bell bottom. Mine almost bell bottom today. <laughs> Skin tight. We were actually rebelling then. We weren't on drugs, but they were on LSDs. I still drugs. <laughs> I preached a sermon on LSD. Get some love, some salvation, and devotion. <laughs> and I was a little young boy preacher. And all young folk were leaving church. And that's when, uh, uh, what is that five, what you call it over there? Little five point. Still over there. A lot of them still go over there, dress all rich folk kids, but just wearing rags and sleeping all down in Peak Mount Park, remember? Yes, and all that was looking. We were protesting because we wanted a new thing. And of course, Jimmy Carter came along and endorsed rock and roll. 
And that raised him to become president. He won the presidency because he started endorsing people with that kind of rock music. They got behind him, whether you know it or not, President Carter. Uh, he broke that in, a Christian president. So the point is, I'm driving the point, times has changed, so we got to get with changing how to still put the gospel out there and save souls. We're going off, but there's a crowd coming on. And they got to understand that it's the same word, but coming in a different fashion. Choirs may be going out, praise team are coming in. People getting into praise and worship now. And there is breaking loose in some uh, liturgical churches that sitting so all into your degrees and who you are. And people now want to get let loose a little bit and relax in church a little bit. And feel that they're not all cluttered all up and scared to move. It's happening with praise and worship. You know why? God really loves praise and worship. Here's a man I like to teach sometime now. I'm a Baptist preacher, but I can go either way I want. I like to get down because people are calling me hurting. People are hurting and scared. And now what we just witnessed should affect you. It should affect everybody. Everybody upset over what I don't want to call nobody's name by what one person can say to a crowd. What is wrong with the crowd? They're angry, confused. They believe anything people say without getting the facts. And if you give people the fact, there's something deeper wrong with people now. That now there's no love for each other. And we thought we were getting a little ahead a few years ago, bringing and integrating the school, but look like we're getting more divided than ever. And how do I speak to families that have supposed been protecting our citizens? A policeman get crushed. And what are we doing about it? Looking at somebody's family. Some families hurt over what somebody said. People got hurt, but they didn't get hurt. How do we take it all and what is God doing to America? Shaking us up. Still don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen this year. I was so nervous when I learned that the president got colds, that he can touch a button and start a nuclear war. That's a lot of power. It lets you know just how powerful one day one man will be who will come along who's called the Antichrist and how he will control. I think God giving all of us a little peep of how things can be. And that we, as a people of God, should be trusting God. When you're going through things, what do you do with everything coming against you? What do you do? Now, Joe went through all this. Everything came at this man. I'm, I'm bypassing a whole lot of stuff I know I'm going to say about him. Everything came at this man to break him down. So let me tell you something. When everything goes against you, 
and things trying to get you down, I want to give you a couple of points what you need to look at. First of all, you ready for it? Sometimes a lot of things come after you to get you down because it's just the devil. It's the devil trying to get you down. It's his job to come in your home and try to disrupt it and tear it up. It's his job to do that. You know why? He see you have a good home. He see that you're a good wife and you're a good, and you're a good man. But he doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to see that that man you got is the worst thing ever walked on earth. I don't know why you think that and you married him. Then he wants the man to think you got the worst woman in the world. But you didn't think that when you first met her. Come here, baby. You're just like a man when he was young. He's walking around. His wife, she came along. She stumbled. And when she stumbled, he said, oh, baby, come here. Let me see. What, what, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, baby? That's like when you're young. She stumbled. Now, oh, pick up your foot and walk. <laughs> what's wrong with you? You can't walk, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's what happened when you've been married a long time. Amen? Well, look, when you first met the person and you got all into them, were you just in the flesh or into the person? What is it that drew you to them? Oh, I like the way they talk. I like the way she would, you know, say things. Where did we, where did we learn how to start saying thank you? Somebody replied to me uh, the other day who was watching me on Facebook and he was saying, what do I do with my husband now? He doesn't touch me. He just ignores me and he play with all these other ugly toys and I, I've been married. I want to file for divorce. Pastor Fleming, what shall I do? And I said, you need to seek some counseling. But I couldn't say much to you because I don't know you. I just saw you made a statement on one of my sermons and you like you were hurting about you don't want to leave. Well, one of the things you got to first find out, I ain't gonna get into marriage talking, but I've been married for 50 years, I know something. One thing I need to tell you, you need to find out what's wrong with him. Why he's not touching you and don't want him be bothered with you. Now, first of all, I don't know his age. And I do know, I studied psychology as some of my master's training. I do know that men make changes when they get a certain age over 60 and 65. And these are biological changes coming in them, and women, change of life. Things start changing biologically in us. And sometimes a man can't take decline. What keeps a man motivated is his macho strength, strength and ability. And when a man feels like he got to be strong, and when he starts declining, you start declining at 40. Sorry to tell you that, Bradley, before you get 40. Men start declining 
women go a little, little longer. <laughs> but when men start losing, can't function like they used, they start getting inferior and feel like I'm not the man I used to be. I'm not the strength I used to be. I can't be what I used to be for you. Now I can't please you. And when they start thinking that, they don't want to be bothered. He started losing his self-esteem. His image changed. He becomes fearful of a younger man. That he can do what I can't do no more. And now I'm mad at you. He's not mad at you as much as you think he's mad at himself. He can't be what he used to be. I can't be that strong macho man now. I don't have no six packs. I got one pack. <laughs> In a case like that, he needs as much of attention now as you need. Do other things to make him happy. Took a breakfast for him when he didn't expect it. You ever woke him up and said, baby, you got your breakfast ready? I know you're going to say, no, and that's why you don't have nobody. <laughs> I ain't waking up. Who ain't no baby? He is your big baby. And you are his big baby. You've changed, too. You don't feel the same. You have to do things you don't want to do. Kind. There's no need of a whole lot of sexual activities. Right now, it's attention. He need it like you need it. He probably need it worse than you now. Does he feel like he doesn't have it anymore? He's fearful. He's frightened. And his anger lash out at you. When it's not you, he's mad that I'm not what I used to be for you. I'm intimidated by old age. You still need all that attention, but he doesn't have that energy. This is so deep that preachers don't want to preach about it. And that's why men get bitter and fuss about nothing. It's not you. He's mad about the changes in life. So, well, women go say, well, what did I do? You really got to stay out of his way and start studying how human behaviorism changed at age and read books and things how to make it better. Don't argue with him. He's already mad. He doesn't want to come home and know he got to come home. Y'all get that later. You don't want to come home, but got to come home. Got to come home, to come home cause you're too old and don't nobody want you. <laughs> Might well go home. People <laughs> want to be bothered with you riding there hollering about your arthritis. <laughs> People go on home with all that. <laughs> you young folk don't know. I'm old enough to know now. I haven't hit 70 years age for nothing. I used to hear my daddy fussing when he got older. 
Old folks separate, go in different beds. <laughs> Want my space? Mama, get out of here, go to your room. <laughs> Not when they were young, they had 10 children. Dad stayed in that other room. Old people want space now. Not that they don't love each other. My dad, mama died. I didn't think my dad cared much for mama, but when she died, and I was sitting next to him and my older sister, I heard him saying things I never heard since I was a baby. Oh, dogs, why you leave my way? They carried on. I thought he didn't want her. And I ain't never heard my dad cry a day in my life. And he sat there and just, boom, right next to me and my oldest sister. And he would start saying things, oh, I wish I had never said, Lord, how am I going to make it without two doors? I, I was stoned. They had been married over 50 years. He loved them. They just sometimes don't get along, but you love them. There's quite a few people can... Love somebody and don't get along. Hmm. I don't know how I got into this. You know why? When they leave, you see a difference. My daddy never would marry again, and there was a hat mama left. We had better not touch it. Now, when a daddy, mama, that dress, mama don't hear no more. Why he got, leave that alone. He sat there in a rocking chair and looked at her hat for the next three or four years. He loved her. Have you ever been in love with somebody you just can't hardly get along with? But you love them. You don't see eye to eye. You're different in a lot of ways. There got to be other things to do to get over that. You best learn how you got to learn how to hug without arms and kiss without lips. God, some man, write that down. Speak nice things. Do other things. Travel. Go somewhere. Drive. Get in the car and drive together. Sightsee when you go. Go see your sister you haven't seen in 30, 40 years. Do other things. <laughs> Am I helping anybody? Do other things to stay away. Learn how to use what you do have and quit worrying about what you don't have. Look at what's left. Long years. Who wants you? Where are you going? You can't even buy a house because it's going to be gone before you can get in it. And the bank don't want to lend you nothing at a certain age. Ooh, God, what are you doing? This woman shook me up. What I do? Start doing things he likes seeing you do. Start doing the things that maybe you don't want to do if you want to keep your marriage. Break that stubbornness. I ain't going to do this. Now, that limitation that everybody should be respected. But just smile sometimes. Get up and fix your hair and don't walk around. Don't go fix your hair up to go to church and won't fix it up at home. You're going to fix up and put on a nice dress and go around people and say you look good in that old house coat. 
the house court all day. And don't think that man, he your husband looking at you. He looking at somebody else. You got to learn how to do little nice things, little things, like that coffee fixing. And, and sometimes he'll get them fixed breakfast. And yeah. If you can't cook, Bradley, you got to teach him how. But don't, don't ever tell him it didn't taste good. I remember my wife first started cooking. It wasn't cooking quite like it was. You know how it was. And, uh, and I'll eat it. She said, oh, you enjoy it? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but when she got good, she burned now. But when they start, they got to learn. You got to swallow it. It's all right now. <laughs> this is the young days. But what are you going to do without them? And who's going to want you for nothing when you get old but your money? That you don't have nothing else to offer. Don't get old for nothing. You're going to get old, get old with some sense. Who want you when you've lost it all? That was a sermon on a woman wrote me that touched my heart. She don't want to go. How'd I deal with him? Why he won't look at me? He's not mad at you. He's mad at his change. He needs some counseling to keep what is he? He's still a man. He likes to watch a ball game and look at you. Then try to learn how to watch it with him. When I was coming along, uh, I hate that I didn't get into sports. I want to feel like a man watching the game. And I go try sometime, and I get mad. Why couldn't I go home acting like elder? Why can't I get like my other deacon? I'm a, I'm a man. Why? I want a man's sports. I used to like wrestling when I was young. Until, until I went one day and the lady told me something. <laughs> Why are you buying these tickets? You know all of them ought to be actors. But <laughs> I said, ain't no way that, that's fake. That man hit that man. And did you see all that blood? And I'm saying, he hit it with itself. The chair was already broke. But <laughs> the point is, it's a sport. It's entertainment. And I'm not condemning it. Have folk laughing. But I wanted to get into football and basketball and all that. But I was a boy preacher. You don't understand. I'm mad at some of those old folk now. I was around an old man all of my life coming up, and he was apostolic. He was apostolic. He didn't watch TV or nothing. And they didn't believe in that. All the women were dressed way down, and he had to wear a black suit. Apostolic came up around. I just happened to be a boy preacher coming up around him. My daddy was no preacher, so I, he could preach. He preached to himself all day. Never watched TV. And when I got married, my wife never moved in with me. He didn't want to stay there long. We moved out because he didn't want no TV in the house. That's apostolic. They tough. And all the bad folk going to hell. Everybody was going to hell but them. 
They baptized in Jesus' name. And being around him and then getting around condemning clubs and places I'd never been in. And never been, and it's just something that got in me as a kid that I was looking at him as a father figure because he knew the Bible. And that they didn't believe in. And ball game was like, to me, never been evil. I said, God, I'm a child. Got to remember, I started preaching at 11 years old. And then I got around some other older folk because I couldn't hang around 13 and 12-year-olds talking about church. What did they know? So I felt out of place. They want to talk about other things. I want to talk about church last night. They were babies. So through the high school, they were just people who met somebody else who were very church of God in Christ, still speaking in tongues, saying Baptist folk ain't right. And all that coming up, I missed, never could go to the game. And I wished I had learned that I could go home after church and sit back and holler, brave, go. And I had to call Ellen and say, what did he just do? <laughs> I know I got excited when I went home and saw football by myself in the den. And that boy jumped over there, the man with that ball. I said, I said, Ella, Ella. I said, whatever it is, what was it? <laughs> and I could see why some pastor would go down there to the game because they needed that relaxation. But when you're a boy preacher in those days, if you went to anything, I told you wasn't doing that, that child. I told you wasn't nothing to that child. He's just a child. I had to prove I was a preacher at 12 years old, and it couldn't be nothing but an old man wearing suits. I never wore jeans in school. Casually dressed like a preacher. And I lived a life so that the teachers would see me out of class and cry for counseling. I didn't want to counsel. I want to get past my grade. I, they said most boy preachers grew up and ended up being alcoholic and doughheads. They never had no fun. And once they get started in something, they go crazy. So just driving home this point, how you disturb me, find out what's wrong with me. He may need to go talk to a doctor, and that doctor need to bring out what's wrong with him. And it's not you. Well, back to my text. How do you take it all? I can take about 15 minutes and do this. How do you take it all? when everything go against you. I don't know what you call this message today. I don't know what it's called, pastoral advice or pastoral preaching. <laughs> but one thing you need to remember, the devil is behind it. The marriage, the devil is behind it. The devil don't like seeing you happy with no family. That family got to get broken up. The devil took your family. He took everything. So when you go through stuff like what we're facing now, everybody's in panic. The divorce rate has gone up since the pandemic because people are all on each other's nerves. We all can't go nowhere. You got to work at home. A lot of you all working at home. That is sometimes as deadly as it is a blessing because you ain't getting no break from the house. And now you got to stay at home and be on the computer all day has its advantage and its disadvantage. You need a break away. I leave the house, come over here because I need a break away. 
You don't want to be in that house all day long. Zoom. The young man just told you. Zoom. And look at each other and still do things. This one time, maybe women should watch your stories. I used to see women watching stories and I get mad. Why the what? They had to find something to laugh and look at. They knew every character, what time they came on, the edge of night, and as the world turned, and they were such for <laughs> And I said, well, what? They, they need an outlet. Women like being nosy. Did you hear what she said yesterday? Now, why'd she do that for? <laughs> you see my sister doing that. Look, what did she do? See, I didn't know what they, they knew what happened before. They need outlet keep from going crazy. The devil doesn't want you to have no fun at all. The devil wants you to sit there and pray all day. You go crazy. You can become a religious fanatic. Even Jesus didn't hang around just church folk. He went around some other folk. Sat up there and laughed and talked with them and turned water into wine. And they call him a they call him an alcoholic because he was sitting with sinners. How are you gonna reach them if you don't go where they are? But can you think people think Jesus is right around like Jesus probably laughed and rolled and acted silly with all the disciples, probably wrestled. You don't know what they did to do things that are human. Look, friend, that's why the devil wants to destroy. He wants your home. That's where you live. He want to make it unhappy. He want to make you think that if you mess it up, you be better. And you think you're catching the devil now, you go fool with some of these little slicks out there now. They will take you to your grave. Because they don't love you. You know what love is? Pain! With is what tests love. When you don't take nothing, you don't love. Love is taking stuff. Love is putting up with what you don't want to put up with. Love is making you stay when you know you can leave. I didn't say when you can't leave. <laughs> love is putting up when you can leave. Love is not when you can't leave. That's prison. But when, you, when you're a prisoner and a door open and you don't leave. You're a mystic. A true prisoner is when the door open and he won't leave. Because he know if he go out that's wrong. No, I'm staying because I belong here. Because I've been locked up. But when the door is open and others run out, that's not a real true person. The true person is knowing they're wrong and the door open and won't leave. You're going to get that later. Because the people are going to say, why didn't you go? I wasn't supposed to go. And those that escape pay a bitter price when they're caught.
Sometimes they would leave. You know what white people used to do to black folk when they had them in their house working? They would leave jewelry all around. See if you steal. I remember as a child, I, my, I was a sister working, they just leave all stuff. I said, I was, why they leave all around? They want to see what you steal. Sometimes I've left some stuff in my office. I don't leave out too much. Now, how you catch a thief? Leave some cheese around. Rat will come out and eat it. You'll never catch him if you don't put down some cheese. So the real stuff, don't put it out. And that's how they will catch you. You got to be honest, loyal, and know what to put your hands on to get promoted. I heard my chairman over here with Chairman Deacon Board, Deacon Norris, was working around a lot of, uh, you know, celebrities, moving $100 million a year on a job with that, with that, with it, PepsiCo. And one of the things he said to me, we were sitting eating, he said, you know, one of the things that tests you about when you're sitting around celebrities is how you eat. And I was paying attention, he said, when you eat, do you put your hand in your lap? Or do you put it on the table? You all can't put your hand in your lap because you're so busy with it on the table. But you're around celebrity, these kind of rich white men and rich people around here that promoted him over his boss in New York. And all this, when you eat, you put your hand, you get what you're going to eat, put your hand in your lap. And then they're going to say something funny and see how loud you giggle. Then they're going to see if you know the utensils and what to pick and what to eat. What's a butter knife? What's a steak knife? <laughs> all that, how's your addiction signing? What, see, all that and how he got promoted, he knew. He's being watched. And boom, they promoted him. During, even during a crisis when he laid his buff off and kept him. See, you got to learn how to act a certain way. If I'm around a certain type of church, there's certain things I won't say I say here. If I'm preaching in a certain atmosphere, there's certain things I won't do. I won't even raise my voice. You got to know how to fit everywhere. You certainly ain't going to get me tuning and hooping. You know, there's certain places you got to learn. You're on attack. The devil knows how to catch you off guard. And this is what he thought he knew. He thought he knew Job. He said, if you take everything, Job, God, he'll curse you. But see, you got to make the devil out of love. When the devil thinks he knows you, you need to show him he doesn't. And how do you handle it when you lose it all? You got to know who it is behind it, the devil. He want to take everything you got so you never have nothing. And make you what? Better. For the rest of your life. Now, another thing you got to understand, when you lose it all, what's going on? Not only the devil is trying you, God is. What, Pastor? God is trying you. God will let the devil do stuff, not to show God nothing, but to show you. Are you what you say you are? A test is not to hurt you. A test is to show you you're still stupid. In school, right? Hey, this is not that. A teacher gave you a, come in here. Put your books up. Put your pants up. Why didn't you tell me? 
I'm taking you to pop quiz. This is not the main test. I want to see how much you know for the main day. I would get mad now. You ought to should have told me. <laughs> oh, wait till I got the class. All right, put your books up and put up your paper. I'll pull nothing out but a pencil. I don't even have no paper. <laughs> then come passing you something. All right, you got 30 minutes before the bell ring. You will get mad. Now, you know what? If you make all A's then, you ready. If you flunk, don't get mad. She's not mad at you. She's showing you you're not ready. Because the main test is coming. And I got to give you all these to show you what you don't know. So you'll learn what you need to know. So when the big day come, you know not to bring your books. And sometimes the answer is in the back of the book. But you so crazy, you haven't even looked back there. <laughs> sometimes God got the answer in the back of the book. But you won't read the Bible so you don't know. <laughs> the point here is that God's testing you because God needs you to know what you show you what little you don't know so when the real big test come when the devil really read out to you you'll pass so God's behind it God will let you suffer God will let things go wrong how do we know you're a Christian we know you're a Christian by what you can take not by what you can't take I think C.S. Lewis said that. Somebody asked C.S. Lewis one time, why do, why do God let bad, bad things happen to Christians? He said, God let bad things happen to Christians because they can take it. They can take it. They can take it. And if he didn't let bad things happen to Christians, they wouldn't know they could. So sometimes God allowed Job to get tested by that to show him he could take it. Can you take all this that's happening? He need to show you. You can take it. I have been testing right to left, and I took it, and I still take it. Hello. I told you, if you haven't been hurt, God wouldn't be fair to call you as Christian and then let them kill his son and let you go free. Now, why would God give up his son to die on a cross for us and don't let you get hurt? You think you deserve all this salvation for nothing? God said, I didn't give up my son for nothing. Just to get you saved, and you can't have no devil after you, and the devil got after my son, tested him, and they put him on a cross. God experienced pain to let you know he know it. And you can't go in this world thinking everybody going to love you, thinking all your kinfolk going to get along with you because Jesus' sisters and brothers didn't do it for him. God can't let you go and, and, and go through all this and 
You get caught off guard. You won't stand. You know, one thing I've said, people who've been incarcerated, they know something. They know something we don't know. You don't get mad at them because they have learned stuff we need to learn. They probably can get along better with this pandemic than we can. They've been isolated, locked away, and couldn't communicate. The homeless folk will outlive all of us if something happened, catastrophic, and we didn't have nowhere to stay. I don't know what it is about homeless folk. I don't see them in wheelchairs much. And I don't see them looking sick. And all of us in the house got medicine. <laughs> the whole cabinet full. And homeless folk walking around, I see them moving around. Maybe looking, looking kind of dirty, but they learn how to survive with rats and roaches. And you see one roach all over the house, tearing up the house, trying to get it. Tearing the house up. Knock the lamp over at one roach. Boy, if he that bad, then bump him. <laughs> Don't tear my nice lamp. I'll wait till I catch you later, bro. <laughs> The point is, God used this stuff like the devil. The devil used it to destroy you. God used all these troubles to develop you. So you can stand it when the real big test comes. Uh, what if, I'm drawing a whole lot of events. What if those people, when they broke in that house, they killed the vice president? What if they gotten a Nancy Pelosi? They say they wanted her. What if they had really taken over that place and you got a mad president who can't take defeat and they took over the state, the national house and took over the system? Where will we be today? What kind of tragedy would have happened? How in the, maybe God let this happen to wake America up. You should have had security. You should have known the day they were protesting to bring in National Guard. And if you didn't have that, you should have had the, they should have had the, the police from Washington surrounded. It had been us, they would. My God, this was a wake-up call. It's not about black or white. It's the evil in men of all colors. You can be a white devil and a black devil and a red devil. You're just a devil. The devil doesn't know nothing about color. A wake-up call. What would, we, what would we have done if something really had happened worldwide? You know what we would do? We would learn how to go back on living on how we used to. How to live without. How to live without gas. Make a fire. How to go dig a well. And go back some well water. 
Then you learn how to go to an outhouse. <laughs> Old Bruce about fell out, fall out over there. I remember the outhouse. When I started pastoring in the country, we didn't have no water, running water, no little wooden churches. That was no brick building. They were wooden churches sitting on wooden pews. Only thing that was carpet was the middle floor with a roof. And I would preach in the churches, and when the time like this, I was fighting wasps while I was preaching. Wasps. Yeah, wasps. Who was there? Wasn't nobody there in church but once a month? Yeah. That was, listen, we didn't have no heat. We had a big old potbelly stove. And that thing would get red hot. And one thing I know, everybody got happy, but they didn't go that far. They shouted everywhere but near that thing. They were Holy Ghost heat, but they knew the difference in Holy Ghost heat and that heat. And I saw one lady got shot near there, and she bounced back, too. That <laughs> was the only heat in the house. But if that thing got red hot, it would warm the whole little wooden church. But they had church, and they went to the outhouse in the cold in summer. I was always scared. I remember a preacher, he went down there and, and went in there and used that house and a black widow spider bit him and he was in the hospital for a month. That was dangerous. Snakes be around there. But they made it. And they were not bitter. They knew how to survive without a lot of accommodations. And maybe... God sometimes wake us up here in America, the richest country in the world, talking about what happened in other countries, that it could happen right here. What a lesson we need to learn when all things go wrong, when things go wrong. Can you survive? Yeah. Well, how can I survive? Because you have no other choice. Job survived. He survived it. If he took all that, why can't we? God can use it, and the devil can use it. One wants to kill you, one wants to develop you. I'm not really through with this. I didn't get where I wanted to go because I incorporated a whole lot of things. Why don't you just call this good talk? <laughs> Medicine for a sick age. Yeah, medicine for a sick age. Good medicine. But it's for the saints. You must know who's behind trying to destroy you. Enemies don't like you. But let me tell you one thing about enemies. Thank God for them. Thank God for people that show you the real side of them so they can find out what's the real side of you. Can you love them? 
and thank God for him. Let me tell you something before we go home. If you had had some enemies, you wouldn't be where you are. You know what I mean? You're married, right? You didn't have some problems this way. If you all had some problems, I married 19 years old. If you all had some problems, you wouldn't know what love is. Love got to get tested. You're a young man trying to raise a family. If you ain't had no marriage, you don't know what real family is. It's about survival. Taking it. Because you're going to have to do that for the rest of your life. Learn how to survive. Things, if everything will go you all way when you're young men, you're going to meet women, you're going to break up, going to meet women, you're going to break up. That's life. That's courtship. That's just, that's life. You don't get all bitter because of it and I don't want to see your face no more until we get to heaven. <laughs> what is Brandon? <laughs> you know how to hear some folks say that. <laughs> but, but, hey, I don't think I'm about to go out over there. I don't want to see your face no more until we get to heaven. Well, you need to because you got to live in heaven with it forever. They <laughs> think about that, Ricky. I don't see your face no more until we get to heaven. And now you got to stay in heaven forever. <laughs> you might well get used to that face here. It's life. If somebody always lovey-dovey talking, they phony. You don't get mad sometimes and always smile. You phony. If your wife don't get mad, want to knock you upside the head, she phony. Who else going to tell you your, the truth about you? Your wife don't only want to tell now the Negro, listen. You know you had no business. Oh, oh no, you need to shut up. You better, you better thank God that woman told you the truth. Because these other folk lie. Because you know who your wife reminds you of? Your mama. <laughs> she never play game with you because she know you're a rascal. She know that side of you that other folk don't know. And you need to think you fooling her. When I preached and made my biggest mistake, my wife used to write all of them down. And by God, I got so, I heard so many of them, I didn't want to hear it no more. Because she wrote everything down. When I had somebody in the church writing down my errors, they were, something they wouldn't tell me, I said, no. She said, I need somebody like Brad who would tell me everything. Every word I said wrong, brother, call it out. <laughs> Bradley's crazy. <laughs> Point is, well, when your wife do it, she gonna come with a pay that long. The members won't tell y'all because that's who know you and concerned about you. Who will best tell you about yourself is your husband. Well. 
Women can't fool women no how. You know, women talk with their eyes and tell you when one line. But your husband going to tell you the truth at home what you don't do. You're being phony. That all that makeup is your makeup. <laughs> that ain't your word. Lee going somewhere alone. You supposed to say <laughs> I'm going to tell brother amen. You a brother amen. You ain't going somewhere. <laughs> Trying to be both this morning. Everybody stand. The truth makes you free. When somebody tell you where you're wrong, you improve. I like it when if I said something and I go home, Sister Fleming, get on me. Now you know you had no business saying that. I needed that. I'm not gonna let you tell me. You remember. I'm gonna tell you, stay in your place. Go somewhere and sit down. Yes, I will. Talking to a man of God, you ain't got no better saying that. My wife get home, now listen, you ain't no man of God here, you husband. Tell you about what you said wrong. That's real. That's, that's real from marriage. That's real when you got to raise babies, you don't know what going to grow up and do. Wow, what kind of, what was this, sir, what you call this today? Mike, do you know what to call this? Mike just laughed. I don't even know what, this not what I was preaching. I just went into everything. Maybe that's come from wisdom through years. But really I was talking about, my subject was supposed to be, and maybe i come back. You don't like me really go back and finish this. My title was supposed to be, and you, I'm going to tell you something, this is so strange. No, I ain't going to lie. Let me tell you something. I didn't write more notes. I forgot the title. And then I get to the end, and then God just brings it back. The title was supposed to be How Not to Let Them Get You Down, but basically, Don't Let Them Get You Down. And it was supposed to be, don't let them get you down. And when I got kept forming, I went everywhere with that. God didn't want me to preach it. Because where I was going was, how not to let them get you down. Don't let them get you down. How to take it all and don't let them get you down. Yeah. How to take it all and don't let them get you down. Because that was supposed to be something about how to take all the stuff we're going through, but don't let folks get you down. And I was supposed to be talking about some other stuff to get people down. But God changed it. I think he healed. And I'm sure some people looking at me now, you're saying, Reverend, you were in my house. You're not only in my house, you're in my life. You into what I'm going through that I hurt and they don't tell people about. We're all human. We all go through it. When you see people, you don't see them. You see what they want you to see. They hide their real pain. It's too deep to talk about. To talk about it, 
is to be ashamed to talk about it. But they live with it. And a lot of things people do learn how to live with. You can love people but just don't like their ways. What gets you beyond some crazy ways is that you have to love them in spite of. I'm going to tell you this little joke before we go. Woman was married to a man act like a chicken. And he would act like a chicken. And she said, this, this man crazy. Hey, Bruce, he act like a chicken. His wife was saying, he's a chicken. He's crazy. Take him to the doctor. So she took him to the doctor, Norris. And the doctor said, what's wrong with you, Ricky? He ain't like a chicken. He crazy. You know what the doctor said? Well, why don't you leave him? She said, no, because I love the eggs. <laughs> Bradley, don't you fall out over there. Oh, Ricky gonna meet me out the church and real, that was a good one. <laughs> she loved the eggs. Whatever eggs he produced, she loved it. Let's go home. All right, everybody, come back to reality now. Some of y'all fall out. I'm seeing my ushers back there just rolling. <laughs> she, liked, she liked some other things he did. Those were eggs. She liked that money. Amen. So sometimes you may have a chicken on your hand, but they might produce some eggs. He did work. He paid his bills. All that's eggs, but he was crazy. <laughs> Praise God. Bradley want me to dismiss. Praise God. From my all blessed one. But hold on one minute. I can't do this without the Lord's repeal to those who are unsaved. It may be somebody here lost today and you don't know the Lord, then I need you to accept God. Don't do nothing harmful. Don't kill yourself. I want you to be strong. As I was just describing that by the chicken and egg, look at the good people do. As well as the crazy thing they do. You may have a crazy person in your life, but they're good people. And then you got some bad people that you got to tolerate because of your own children in that house. Amen. We got to learn how to take things. And in life, you got to learn how to take some things. There's no way out of life without a struggle. You're going to have some enemies, which I didn't get to today. Why God allow you to have enemies? Why God permits enemies can be a blessing to you. Enemies can really put you somewhere. And the devil is an enemy. I want you to say, you know, I like pe seeing people laugh. Only mean people don't laugh. Hateful people don't laugh. You know why they don't laugh? They're scared to be relaxed, to show you humor. They're so bitter. Bitter people don't like laughing. They don't like humor. They don't like watching those movies as humorous. Sad people like watching sad movies. Mean people like looking at fights. You got to learn how 
Just make it in a pandemic. Laugh your way through it. Rejoice. Laughing is medicine. Don't let the devil get you down. Don't let your enemies get you down. Don't let the death of a loved one get you down. Don't let a divorce get you down. I'm seriously now appealing to you. Don't let it. Job didn't let it get him down. And you can't let it get you down. So if I had to make you laugh and if I had to make you cry, if I had to make you think, to pull you out of this dilemma you in and this crutch and that cave, then thank God that he let me do it. And I don't apologize if I made anybody mad. I just want to see you get to be better. I want to see you get back to your normal self. I want you to stop being mad at everybody, mean to everybody, and think everybody out to get you. There are some people who love you want to help you if you will let them. But God wants all of this to humble you and see who the enemy is. That's the devil. Don't let him win. So will you give God your heart today? I'm looking at somebody. I keep hearing about it. I want to blow your brains out. People are committing, you know, crime has increased since this pandemic. I, I get these notice all day long, shooting going on, shooting in my name. You all get those? Heard gunshots here, gunshots. What is wrong with people? They upset. They can't take hard time. They can't take the problem with facing. We got to, we got to work our way through it. And when we get a new president, we don't know what's going to happen. He doesn't have no answer. God got the answer. Turn yourself to Jesus right now. Give us your heart to God. Give us your hand. If you want to join this church in another state, just call us and tell us. I like the way your pastor preached. He make it real. He got straight to the problem. I got healed. I didn't like it, but it healed me. That's what I want to hear. Let me hear from you. And if you want to be one of my members, I've been told by, I've been told by young preachers that try to patternize preachers that my, a lot of preachers, young preachers say, I'm hard to patternize. They say, I got a, a rare style of preaching, and it's hard to patternize after me. That's what young preachers say when they want a mentor or a preacher. It's hard, Reverend Fleming's style of preaching is hard to imitate. Well, I learned to be me. And if God used me in different ways from other preachers, you know why? I'm happy with me. And I don't want you to try to worry about being like somebody else. Be yourself. So humble yourself down. Give yourself to God and tell God whatever you have, God can use it. Let him use it. Okay? And don't worry about being like nobody else. I hope you make that choice and give God your heart today and call us here at the church anytime Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 a.m. p.m. The church is open for you. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Come on with me.
and be thankful God has blessed you to see a new year.